Good morning and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my bulldog, Rodney, is beside me as usual. And today I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Tudor, as we recap WrestleMania 36 and the two nights of great action that WWE brought its fans while we're all stuck home due to the coronavirus sheltering in place. And overall, we thought it was a really good performance, and it was a very unique concept because you had two nights of wrestling with no fans in the arena. So kudos to WWE for putting the show together and trying to make the fans happy, even though the circumstances were not ideal. But uh, Scott, welcome back to the show. Good morning, Ben. Thanks for having me again. Uh, yeah, WrestleMania was definitely a, a different experience this year. I, I look forward to recapping it. Uh, let's get it on. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, with going into WrestleMania 36, there was a lot of buildup on some big matches. You had Drew McIntyre against Brock Lesnar for the Universal Champion for the um, the WWE Championship. You had um, the Undertaker versus AJ Styles. Uh, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, a whole lot of big matches. Of course, uh, Goldberg making an appearance against Braun Strowman. However, in two nights of great matches, one match stood out for me, and that's with my man Otis taking on um, battling for the love of Mandy Rose against Dolph Ziggler. This was personally my favorite match. I'm a huge fan of Otis, and as we've seen on TV leading up to WrestleMania, Otis has had a string of bad luck after having a a Valentine's Day date set up with Mandy Rose, only for it to result in mass communication issues, and all of a sudden, Dolph Ziggler has Mandy Rose. So, going into this match, Otis is trying to make things right, and the night before, on SmackDown, they had a huge segment where the facts came out about all of this miscommunication, and it was due to the dealings of Sonya Deville and Dolph Ziggler behind the scenes. So before we get into that match, Scott, what was your expectation going into this match? Well, first off, I'm going to touch on this storyline a little bit. I thought WWE was going to drop the ball. I thought they were just going to kind of write it off and let uh, Dolph and Mandy ride off into the sunset and just kind of let the whole uh, angle with Otis die down. Kudos to WWE for hanging in there and letting the underdog get his uh, day in the sun. On that one, so I it, the match was pretty much what I expected. I I liked the build up. I love the fact that they came out and there's a secret person uh, giving the facts on what actually happened. Um, I, I'm always for the underdog. Everybody loves Otis. He's he's like a big teddy bear. Everybody loves his character. He's kind of like a Chris Farley for wrestling. So you know, you and I both are big fans of Chris Farley. I think we've <laughs> alluded to that before. So. Uh, obviously Otis is a perfect fit for us. So of course, Mandy's beautiful. She's the, the beautiful hot girl that, that everybody wants to date. And it's great to see the underdog actually get to, uh, to get to do that. So I love the storyline. Dolph can carry a match. Of course, uh, I think this match obviously would have been way better in front of a crowd because Otis can really get the crowd going. But, uh, you know, kudos again, like you said, to just, uh, repeat what you said at the beginning. Kudos to WWE for keeping us entertained during these uh, crazy times. So, love the match. I thought it was entertaining. I love the whole Sonya and Mandy angle. I think that's a feud that can go on for months. Yeah, I think, um, so just to kind of analyze the match. So, basically, Dolph comes out with Sonya Deville in his corner. And Otis comes out. And Otis is hot and ready to go, mad, 
run into the ring, ready to take it all out on Dolph Ziggler. So it was a pretty good match. I mean, like you said, Dolph Ziggler, I think does an ex- he's an excellent wrestler. He's a great heel. He does a real good job of being that jerk character that really gets under your skin. And honestly, for this storyline, he is like perfect to be that guy. Like when you're going out with the hot girl, it's like all of a sudden these like guys that you never really talk to, they're like coming up and wanting to hang out and linger around. And so Dolph Ziggler plays that role perfect. But I thought the match, you know, for, for these two guys, it was really good. Both got some good offense in. I mean, Otis was just slamming Dolph into the turnbuckle and did some, uh, uh, he did a really nice, um, solo like trash compactor like he threw Dolph up in the air caught him and did a big power slam however as expected Sonya would get involved and distracted the referee and then Dolph had a low blow and it looked like he was going to use that to his advantage to win the match and lo and behold Mandy comes out to her music storms down to the ring slaps the fire out of Sonya I mean she really slapped her good so I mean then they got into it so that was good she hopped into the ring did a low blow to Dolph Ziggler when he was like, you're ruining everything. So then, of course, Otis is able to take advantage of that. He does the worm, throws down the big elbow like Dusty Rhodes, and comes away with the win. And then all is right in the world when we have the, the reunion and um, the ultimate, ultimate pairing with Mandy and, um, and Otis. And she hops into his arms. They have the big kiss. I mean, if that was at a live arena, like, it would have popped for sure. I mean, huge pop. And when Mandy came out, that would have been a huge pop too. But I think it's the story ending that everybody wanted to see other than Dolph Ziggler and Sonya. Um, it's a feel good story. And um, I, I thought it was very well done. And uh, I do, I, I really hope they do this, this pairing well, because really when you think about it, for me, it was one of like the best WrestleMania moments ever as far as a pop and excitement. It's right up there like with the Macho Man um, versus Ricky Steamboat. Or if you're talking about a romantic pairing, it's like the Macho Man getting back with Miss Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you are absolutely right. A, when Mandy came down to interfere or come down to confront Sonya, the, the roof would have went off the place to begin with. Then when she low-blowed, Ziggler, it it would have just been unimaginable. And then, of course, after Otis wins, the pop there would have been crazy, and the ultimate pop would have been when they kissed on the way out of the ring. I could just see the place going bananas, at, at, to use a quote from Gorilla Monsoon in the old days. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing, too, if you watch that match closely, I mean, afterwards, you know, they're raising their hands in celebration, but Otis's face is so funny. I mean, he looked at the outfit that Mandy was wearing, which was obviously a great outfit, and the look on his face was like, he just was like, whoo. So that was pretty funny, and that's what helps him get over, is his facial expressions are so good. If you, li- uh, if you listen to Otis on their way out, he keeps saying, so pretty, so pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they did a good job this week. Um on Instagram, they had a, a live chat that I missed. I didn't see it until I got home, but, you know, going through the storyline of staying in touch during, um, like coronavirus distancing and talking about plans and stuff like that. So I really hope WWE milks this for a while because I think it's good for a variety of reasons. Obviously Otis is way over and this is, in my opinion, a pairing that really should have, they should have had that really good Valentine's Day date, in my opinion, because that way they would have had that crowd pop at some point and then have some kind of 
miscommunication that caused them to to break up for a little bit, and then Dolph's in the picture, and then you find out this scene with uh, Sonya and, and Dolph, which I thought was good, and that way they reunite. I thought that would have been better, but still, they are where they are right now, but Otis is so over, and I think this is really good for Mandy, like we've mentioned before. Um, it helps her get – I mean, she's she gets pop anyway, but not like the pop that Otis gets. Otis is like way over. And I think it's just a good story that a lot of people can really relate to. And I think Ziggler is a great heel, and it's a thing that gets Sonya involved. It helps get Tucker involved. And really, they should get Bobby Roode involved because I, I just think Bobby Roode is a guy who's been really underutilized in WWE. And I mentioned that it's important for Sonya. I think it's very important. She needs to, in my opinion, she needs to have a, a, a real progression this year. Because I think she's very good in the ring, but she's a really good heel. And I just think this this role is ideal for her. And even if they have the Mandy Otis thing continue for a while and do it, I think they should do it beyond Dolph Ziggler and uh, Sonya Deville. Because I, I see that they could have a feud, let's say, with um, with the Street Profits and uh, Bianca Belair or some type of two guys and a woman pairing. Um, I, I just think that this can go really, really far for a long time. So I hope WWE doesn't break it up because I think it's really good. Oh, so, I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, they could take this feud and do at least a hundred different things with it that would be entertaining and be successful. And, you know, you touched on it, but let's talk about the other side of that. Let's talk about the pairing of, of Dolph and, uh, Sonya. I mean, I like that pairing as, as far as two heel, uh, characters together. Uh, I know the love interest won't be there because they've they've been very open about that, but uh, right. but just the sheer fact that they could be diabolical together. They're both great athletes. They're both you know they both are good looking characters. Uh, I, I feel like uh, they could generate some heat outside of just Otis and Mandy as well. They they could carry that on and like accompany each other the other to the ring and their matches and and just generate heat with other other pairings. I, th- I think it could work. You know, the pairing it kind of reminds me of is when Shawn Michaels transitioned from being a singles wrestler or from a tag team wrestler to a singles wrestler. He um, he had some sensational Sherry as his um, as his manager and, you know, cocky and arrogant and sensational Sherry was fantastic as a as a valet and manager. And I just think that's a good pairing for for Dolph and Sony in the future. And I feel like with some, with uh, Otis and Mandy. The thing that I think is very interesting, I listened to a podcast this weekend and they were talking about like divorce and relationships during the coronavirus and how they're expecting a huge divorce increase once this pandemic is over. And I think if I'm a WWE writer, I want to push the the opposite with Otis and Mandy and show that you know this pairing that a lot of people uh, on the surface would not think would work actually is working because Otis is like a good person, good personality, and you know Mandy's. Uh, attracted to that and she's also a good person because on her social media she's family oriented and everything and to show that this thing can obviously they're going to have some challenges along the way because it's wrestling but to show that they can always stick together I think it'd be a good message for the younger audience as well as the people our age to say hey you know what when things are bad you don't just throw in the towel and leave you stick together yeah I, I agree with that I think that that would be a great angle for them to play yeah so anyway, congratulations to Otis and Mandy. We are big fans of this 
this storyline and look forward to it progressing nicely throughout the rest of the year and many years. So congratulations to them. All right, so moving on down the card, we're going to break this down based on day one and day two matches. Um, So that way the listeners at home, they've kind of got that schedule in their mind as well. And just for the sake of time, we're not going to talk about the the, um, kickoff matches with Cesaro and Drew Gulak, where Cesaro won that, and um, uh, Liv Morgan versus Natalya. But I will say I do like the fact that they're getting Drew Gulak more involved in wrestling because I think he's a good – a good wrestler and a good uh, good heel, and now he's a face with Daniel Bryan. So I do like that pairing, and I do like the fact they're trying to push Liv Morgan a little bit more because I really think they missed the ball with her and um, a, a feud with Lana, which kind of takes me back, I guess, to Otis and Mandy in a way. Please, for the WWE writers, and if Otis and Mandy, when they listen to this, don't let them do to this storyline what they did to Rusev and Lana because that was a train wreck, and look where we are now. So. Right, right. I agree 100%. I hated that angle to begin with, and I could not agree with you more on them missing uh, the boat with Liv and Lana. I thought that was going to turn into something, and then here we are. That's what I was afraid they were going to do with the whole Otis and, and Mandy storyline, as I touched on uh, earlier. But yeah, uh, Liv and Lana could have been a great a great feud, and, and they kind of just let it die down. And I am yeah. glad, I'm with you. I'm glad they're finally pushing Liv. Yeah. So, all right, so we'll keep uh, our eyes on Liv Morgan's progression, see how she goes over. Obviously, it was a good match with Natalia. Natalia's solid and good in-ring performer, so I was glad that uh, they put on a good match. But sticking with women wrestling here, let's kick off the day one um, activities with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors for the tag team championships in the women's division. So, Scott, what was your take on this matchup? So I thought I'm a huge Kabuki Warriors fan. I love them as a tag team, and I and I really am a mark for Asuka. I don't know what it is about her, but I've I've liked her since she walked in as a singles competitor, and I liked her work in NXT. On the flip side of that, I've always been a huge Alexa Bliss fan too. So I, I thought this was a good matchup. I thought they did it well, and you know, if it was a shoot match, obviously the Kabuki Warriors would have uh, won this in my mind. But uh, I am glad that they took the belts off of them and put them on Bliss and Cross at the end. I think it's a good mix-up. Uh, we needed to, to get some uh, variety in there, and I think Bliss and Cross deserved it. So this is a good push for them. Uh, I think Bliss was kind of out for a while for injury, and she did the whole talk show thing, which went well. Uh, she's kept her character relevant even through injury and, and inside and outside the ring. So I think it's a good good matchup and a good result. Yeah, I thought the action was fantastic. I, honest to gosh, I think uh, with the audience not being there, I think the Kabuki Warriors have been doing their best work. Uh, I didn't realize they talked so much in the ring because one of the criticisms I did have of Asuka was never on her wrestling ability because that is fantastic. But I was like, you know, she I didn't think her communication was that good because she really doesn't speak English through there. But I'll tell you what, she's been really funny. Uh, when she's been doing like commentary on the side and been talking trash in there. And then Kari Singh does a good job of that. So I thought the match was very entertaining from, from that perspective, even without the fans. And I'm a big fan of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross as well. We've kind of touched on with Nikki Cross. She's someone that a lot of people can really relate to because let's just be honest in WWE, 
when it comes to women's wrestling, a lot of times they put the focus on the exterior appearance of a woman wrestler. And, but the women who are in the ring now, you look at Alexa Bliss and your Charlotte Flairs and Mandy Rose and Carmella, they can really go in the ring, which is something you didn't see, let's say a decade or uh, 15 years ago. Right. But Nikki Cross is, I mean, she gets uh, a lot of energy. She's funny. And like you said, she's kind of like your, your wing woman in the bar. If you're a, a girl going out to the bar, <laughs> but, but I think she's funny and she's really good. And I thought the action was great. And ultimately I think it was the right move to put the belt on Alexa bliss and Nikki cross. And, um, you know, I, I just think there are so many good matchups they can have. Um, they had a rematch last night on SmackDown with the Kabuki warriors. It was good, but you know, maybe they can get the, um, the iconics back in because they haven't been in, in uh, wrestling for a while. I mean, that would be a very entertaining feud. I know they're talking about maybe something with Carmella and Dana Brooke. And I, I just think Alexa bliss is somebody that she is such a good talker, um, that she can just put anybody over. I think. Agreed. She can get a lot of heat and, and back to Nikki cross. I'm not going to undersell her because she is the wing woman. And she is that uh, loose cannon brawler that that can turn the tables on any uh, matchup. I think she got right in there and mixed it up with the Kabuki Warriors. Man, I I enjoyed it. She's she's tough. Yeah. So all right. So Alexa Bliss, and Nikki Cross go over, and overall we thought that was a really great match. All right. The next match uh, you have King Corbin versus Elias. So what's your take on this match? So I love King Corbin as a heel. Okay, I think he does a great job. He generates heat. Uh, we need a sizable heel that can get in there and mix it up with people, and he's the guy. Uh, he's still got some de- development to go on, and maybe uh, I think it'll be better once he sheds the whole King uh, act and we can really push him another level up. However, I'm going to say that I have always liked Elias, whether he was heel or face, and I'm glad that they finally gave him a win that he was much deserved because really, to be honest, and and this is my opinion up until now, Elias has just been a real popular, uh, jobber. in in my opinion, he loses almost every match he's been in. And I think him getting a win over a very, uh, good heel and a very dominant heel like Corbin has been at a WrestleMania is, is big for Elias. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that they use that momentum and go forward because Elias's character could go a lot of different ways. He he's a tough guy. He's well built, uh, good on the mic. He generates heat with his guitar. Uh, I, I think or that they can do a lot with him. Or I mean, now he's a face. I mean, he does a pretty good job as um, as a face, getting the crowd support. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I I think the thing with I didn't like this match as well as I did Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors, but I still thought it was a, a good solid match. There's a lot of good physical action going on. It's just, I'm kind of worried about with King Corbin though, because I, I agree with you. I think he's a good heel, but you know, really since he lost to Roman Reigns, I mean, they made him have to take a, um, uh, it looked bad and had like Rob uh, Gronkowski push him over, and with uh, Mojo, which I, I don't like Gronkowski and Mojo's characters at all. I, I think they're pretty cheesy, and I, I just I, I don't like it at all. But I was like, you know what? If you've got to have Corbin like having to do jobs for Rob, Rob Gronkowski, that's really going to stink and kind of take away all the momentum he had. 
in that good matchup he had with uh, Roman Reigns. So Right. They do not need to lose the heat that Corbin has because he is one of the better heels right now in WWE. So whatever they do, I was happy with the outcome for Elias, but I don't want Corbin to lose the heat because he is a good and essential heel. We've got to have him. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, though, with um, with the whole coronavirus thing and Roman Reigns being out. I mean, what do you do with Corbin right now? I mean, because if he's not battling Elias, I mean, he's not – not well, our fans already know that Braun Strowman beat Goldberg, so we'll just – you know, they already know that. But, I mean, you've basically got The Fiend, which we'll get into. Looks like he's going to have a pairing with Braun Strowman. Where do you go with Corbin? Because who are your other faces, big faces he can go against? Because Sheamus is a heel. Um, Samoa Joe's out. Um, Otis is, you know, in this thing with Dolph Ziggler. uh, And you keep him with Tucker. So I don't know who he goes against right now on SmackDown. If, where is, AJ is where? Is AJ in Raw? Uh, Yeah, he's in Raw. Okay, never mind. Um, on SmackDown, that's a good question. And that, that kind of presents more of a challenge. Uh, yes. I don't know what they do with Corbin right now. Unless that, he just... That's a, that's a true concern too, because we don't need him to lose his heat unless they pair him and Elias for a, a feud, you know, Corbin comes back for redemption and they, they have a series of matches that they can carry into the next pay-per-view or, or so. Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope they don't incorporate Rob Gronkowski in it because, I mean, you know they're not going to put Rob Gronkowski to lose. And that would just be – whoever Rob Gronkowski goes against, unless he's going you know, with the 24-7 championship against uh, – oh, gosh. Um, Mojo. <laughs> Mojo has not, it, doesn't well, he? Mojo is his buddy, but um, Ron Killings, um, the guy who always wins it, R-Truth. Yeah. R-Truth. I mean – if they have Gronkowski in comedy things like that, then I think it works. But other than that, I I just I just go do something else. But yeah, I'm kind of concerned about what they're going to do with King Corbin right now on SmackDown. So we'll have to wait and see. And really, with Elias, I mean, you know what, what's what's his direction right now? I know they announced him as uh, being for Money in the Bank or contending for that, but you know there are a lot of guys out right now, or they've got a lot of guys tied up in tag teams, so. Unless he goes against Sheamus, that would be about it. Which that would be a good match. But well, well to I, me, I think I think Elias and and Robert Roode would be a good program. You alluded to uh, Robert Roode not being utilized, and I couldn't agree more because I was a huge Robert Roode fan when he was in TNA. Loved his tag team work. Loved his singles work over there. Uh, I think that he got a good pop when he first came in to WWE, but I think they've kind of watered him down since. Uh, I think he and Elias would be a good feud. I think that could work. Yeah, either that or maybe they bring up somebody from NXT. I don't know. All right, well, we'll have to keep our eyes on these two guys and see what directions they take in the next few weeks. So the next matchup, we have Becky Lynch defending her uh, Raw Women's Championship against Shayna Baszler. What's your take on this matchup? Oh, man. I hate. I, agree. To, I, I hate to get into it because I have – if you listen to our previous podcasts, I've made it known that I am not a Becky Lynch fan. I was, and then they just kept putting her on us and like ramming her down our throats to, for lack of a better expression. 
And I, I'm just not, I can't get on the Becky train anymore. I used to be something happened, something changed. And maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I can't get on that train. She's athletic. She's pretty. She's, I, I like her, you know, she's a good wrestler and, and things like that. But I think it's the fact that they have forced her on us so much that I'm just over it. I think this was an opportunity for Shayna to get over. I think that they could have, which I think, you know, Shayna still doesn't look bad because everybody knows WWE's pushing Becky. But I think that uh, Shayna is a dominant force, man. She's a tough, tough lady. And I think that uh, this would have been a good time for her to get over. But I'm sure that they've got storylines in mind for Becky with the belt and, and things like that. But the match overall wasn't great. I just wasn't into it. I'm thinking that maybe it was me. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to your comments on this. But, uh, again, I just can't get back on the Becky train. I, I like her semi that she drove in. I thought that was sharp. But other than that, I wasn't very entertained. Well, I, I felt that the match ended in a whimper. Um, I felt that the action was pretty good and physical. Like I, I liked where Shayna Baszler came out and was swinging Becky up against the announcer table. And But the thing about it was is I don't think Becky got enough offense in because really they kind of booked Shayna to – she was really kind of dominating most of the match. Right. And I thought the ending was terrible. It, it reminded me – I think it was the exact same ending – that Bret Hart and Rowdy Piper had in WrestleMania 1992 for that Intercontinental Championship. And so basically, they in that match, Piper had Bret Hart in the sleeper, and Bret Hart reversed it and held Rowdy Piper down um, while Piper still had the sleeper hold on to, for the three count. And that's basically what happened here when Shayna Baszler had her finishing move on Becky, and Becky flip, uh, did a somersault over and basically held... Shayna's um, shoulders down for the three count. And I just thought that was so cheap. I thought it was like, really, it wasn't believable. I mean, Shayna Baszler would have kicked out of that or released the hold or something. I just thought that they should have had a better ending because I thought the match overall, physical-wise, was good. Um, I just think it was just a, a poor ending. And I remember when it was over, I was like, that's it? I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I was not impressed at all with this and I don't know I'm just not a big Shayna Baszler fan either I know she's very physical and stuff but it's like I don't think she she's really done a good job telling the story yet on the mic she needs to work on her mic skills um she's getting better though she cut a promo on Raw that I thought was pretty good so we'll see I know they're gonna probably have some rematches and stuff but I I was not as excited about this match as I was Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley I'll tell you that so this is something I've been thinking about on Shayna Baszler. Why doesn't WWE creative put Paul Heyman with Shayna and have him advocate for her like he does Brock Lesnar? He does such a good job drawing heat and, you know, get giving the, the wrestler time to develop their character and things like that. Because we all know Brock is not great on the mic, but he generates so much heat because he's such a heel, and a lot of that is because of Heyman. He could do the exact same thing for Shayna, because yeah. let's, let's be honest, in a shoot, she's dominant over these women. She's kicking their yeah. butts. So yeah. why don't we do that? I mean, I, I think that would be a good push for women, and it would be a great push for Shayna, and it would put another straw in uh, 
or a, another feather in uh, Heyman's cap. Yeah, and that's a good point. And, uh, you know, they're both on Raw, so. Exactly. I, I think that's a good idea. All right, well, we'll see what happens uh, as we progress through with this this feud. All right, the next matchup, we have Sami Zayn defending his Intercontinental Championship against Daniel Bryan. So, of course, the, the build-up into this match is Sami Zayn and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro the, basically worked it where they were able to, to get the Intercontinental title off of Braun Strowman in a triple threat match. And basically, Sammy's still having this Great Liberator thing, which I'm not really a fan of the Great Liberator because it's like he's trying to, I guess, be like Fidel Castro with the, the green attire and everything and the beard, which I think when Bernie Sanders made that comment about Castro, I just think if I was WWE creative, I'd be like, yeah, I don't think I'd want to push that. But his promos have been pretty entertaining and funny. But, um, of course, Daniel Bryan's always good on the mic and – They've had some pretty decent battles with uh, Drew Gulak and Cesaro and Shinsuke, but this is a chance where Sami Zayn had to to put his talk aside and get in the ring and actually uh, see if he could beat Daniel Bryan. So, what's your uh, take on this match? <laughs> so, I I'm entertained by Sami Zayn and and uh, his henchmen. I guess you could call it. Yeah, uh, I think he's the perfect like manager slash wrestler, and he. Sami Zayn's a tough guy. I mean, I I was a fan. Yeah. Of, I was a fan of his in ROH, uh, Ring of Honor. He did a great job over there. Uh, but he's playing like a heel that can't go. Like he's kind of playing that heel up where he's a wimp and he has to have his buddies there. And I'm all for that. I think it's great because I know the truth. I know he's he's a good wrestler and he's tough in the ring and and all that. But I love that he's playing that heel. Uh, it, it can get nerve wracking sometimes. I'll agree with you, but I think this feud with Daniel Bryan and, and, uh, what's his name? Gulak. Is that, is that his buddy? Daniel's buddy, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, Drew, Drew Gulak. Gulak. Yeah. I think that it's a good feud between those two groups. And I'm just going to say this, and it, this is not a popular opinion, but I've, I've made this known to you and our other buddy Christian before. I'm not a huge Daniel Bryan fan. He's a good athlete. He's, he's a good wrestler for his size. I've just never really liked him that well. I just don't like his character. I, the only time that I was really interested is when I thought he was joining the Wyatt family. <laughs> and I, I liked that little stint. And I think that they should go back to that, to be honest. But uh, I was entertained by this match. I enjoyed it. Uh, the fact that Sami Zayn got over on Daniel was good. I'm curious where they're going with the whole Daniel uh, Drew Gulak uh, relationship. Uh, you know, what are they going to do there? Is this going to end up being in another feud? Is this going to, you know, how is this going to progress? So I am interested in that. But overall, I was entertained by this match, and I was happy with the outcome. See, I guess I had a different take on the match because I was annoyed by the match. <laughs> I I thought that, uh, which I guess that means Sami Zayn's doing his job. Uh, exactly, but, exactly. But, um, I, I mean, I thought Daniel Bryan's wrestling was good. He was really taking it to Zam Sammy, and Sammy was like, oh, you know, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, and just kind of being – you know, wimpish per se, I guess. And of course, then the, um, uh, his outsiders with Cesaro, you know, they get involved and everything. And then all of a sudden, Sammy just hits the one Haluva kick and that's enough to take him down. So I guess from a, a booking standpoint, it's, it's perfect as far as, uh, keeping the heel and this, you know, slimy heel with Sammy Zayn. And I think it was good to not take the belt off Sammy Zayn. Cause it's like, Really, 
that character kind of needed some direction. I felt that, uh, you know, Sammy is, Sammy is a very good wrestler and I think he's excellent on the mic, but that whole thing about when they were battling with Braun Strowman, I mean, that was getting old and they got, finally got the title off of him, but it was like Sammy needed some type of direction. So we'll see what happens. I, I just thought the match, I gave it about a C um, just because I was getting annoyed by the whole thing, but I thought the, the wrestling of Daniel Bryan was good in it, but I don't know where they go with Daniel Bryan and Gulak. It seems like it'd be a, uh, something that there'll actually be a heel turn and because I think Gulak's better as a heel. He can be really annoying, so I don't know. We'll see, but they, I think they need to keep the battle going for a little while because Sami Zayn needs to be relevant. Right. And who else are they going to put him with right now? I mean, with you know the brand splits and stuff, I mean, there aren't that many faces for him to go against um, in that that singles realm right now. I mean, you got Samoa Joe out. You got, um, you know, maybe Humberto Carrillo or somebody like that. From They bring him over from Raw or Rey Mysterio. Right. Well, I could see it being a storyline that uh, Daniel Bryan goes two or three times with Zayn and keeps losing, and Gulak actually goes and wins. And then there's a feud between Bryan and Gulak, and then they take it that way. I that could be the way they go. I've seen that done in the past, and it and it works. I think that that's a good uh, good feud. And again, that match wasn't a five star match by any means. But if the crowd would have been there, I think Sammy would have drawn so much heat that it would have just been, uh, you know, highly even more entertaining. I think if the crowd would have been there because he could have drawn on their emotions. Yeah, no, that, that's a very good point. <clears throat> well, and I think they would have also. I mean. I, when I watched the matches, even though there wasn't a crowd there, I didn't let that really affect me because I was just focusing on what was happening in the ring. And I kind of created my own pop inside just watching the match. So, But I, I feel like that that's, that's a very good point. But, um, you know, that would be a good turn with Drew Gulak if you think about it because I think I saw something on the Internet where, you know, Daniel Bryan at some point, I mean, I think he's looking to maybe slow down. I mean, I think Daniel Bryan's 40, and, you know, he and um, Brie Bella are having another baby, so he might want to take some time off. That's what this article was saying, so maybe that's a way for you know him to have that battle with Gulak and turn it over, and that way he kind of goes on a sabbatical for a little while. Just well, a thought. Well, keep in mind, Daniel Bryan's got another one on the way with uh, yeah. his wife, so – that, that could be a piece of it. And and what people forget is Daniel Bryan had been in wrestling for years before he ever debuted in WWE. And now he's been in WWE for years. So, yeah, eventually Father Time catches up. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on what happens with Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. So our next matchup is a triple threat ladder match for the Tag Team Championship on SmackDown. But it's not with all the tag teams. It's really just one representative from each of the tag teams involved. So you had John Morrison representing him and uh, The Miz, Jimmy Uso from The Uso Brothers, and Kofi Kingston representing The New Day. And the reason why it came about in all this is because The Miz got sick. And so with all the coronavirus, social distancing and stuff, he had to be sent home. He couldn't compete in the match. So they kind of, and they'd already been billing this match. And so they had to do something, but I tell you what, I thought this match was fantastic. I thought the action was great. I thought all, um, 
the three performers were were superb. And overall, John Morrison comes away with a win in kind of unique fashion because he's a guy that got knocked off the ladder, but yet he fell landing on a ladder, and the belts just happened to fall down. And so when he fell off the ladder after being in so much pain, he grabbed the titles and walked away with the win. So pretty entertaining match. I thought that was the right result because I, I felt like they didn't need to take the titles off of um, – Miz and Morrison with Miz not being there. I just thought that wouldn't be right. But I thought the I thought the match was good and I was pleased with the result. What what do you think? I thought uh this was probably my favorite match of of all of the WrestleMania matches altogether because I thought they had the right three guys in there. Uh if they were going to do it this way, I think they chose the right three to be in there together. Uh Morrison, I, I'm a mark for Morrison. I've always liked him. I liked him back when he was coming up, when he first came to WWE. I followed him into the independence after he left WWE for a while. Uh, he even went over to TNA for a short stint. Uh, I watched him at on Lucha Underground. He's just a superb athlete. He tells the, the story in the ring. So athletic. The dude is, you know, they always uh, uh, refer to his parkour uh, style and he does he can do that man he's got such balance and such control uh he he can make anything work in the ring just about and i'm with you I, if they were gonna if they're gonna take the belts off of miz and morrison they should do it when they're together i think wwe hit the nail on the head with this match i was super entertained loved it not one time during this match was i in a lull or like man i wish they would hurry up or or anything like that but i overall i thought it was a great entertaining match yeah, I agree. So, and next week on um, on SmackDown, they're going to have a triple threat match with the, um, the Miz, Jey Uso, and uh, Big E. So, looks like they're going to have these teams competing for a while, which, honestly, they're probably going to have to because we're having to work in a new tag team into uh, SmackDown now because uh, our fans may have noticed, uh, seen on the internet, but uh, the Revival have been released by the WWE. Um, rumors have been that they've been wanting to um, get out of WWE for a while and had asked for the release multiple times. Well, it finally came to fruition, so we hadn't seen the uh, revival for quite some time. And uh, they brought in um, the guys. Golly, I just I just forgot their name. They came up from NXT. The three guys looked like biker guys. The um, the um, It's almost like the, the Forgotten Sons. The Forgotten Sons. So you got three big guys coming in to kind of take the the place of the revival. But I kind of like this team coming in because when Otis, while Otis is battling with um, Dolph Ziggler right now, at some point you're going to need a matchup for um, heavy machinery. And I like these guys coming in. They're big, physical. I think they'd uh, work really well with heavy machinery. I think they could go with the New Day, um, definitely with the Usos. So. We'll see. So I do like the fact of the, the tag team division in SmackDown uh, is is pretty strong right now. What what's your take on that? Yeah, I'm I'm as we've touched on in previous episodes. I'm a huge tag team guy. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's why I kind of defected away from WWE back in like uh, the mid or whatever you want to call that stretch between like 05 and 10 or 12 because the tag ruthless team, aggression. Yeah, the tag team uh, direction in TNA. And uh, ROH was just so much better. They were on such another level 
than uh, WWE. And at the time, the TNA knockouts were way above and beyond what the WWE divas were doing. So really, two out of three uh, areas there, TNA, in my mind, was actually better than WWE and more entertaining. So I kind of defected away from WWE when was, and was more focused on TNA. And I think tag teams is, is a part of that. So, you know, WWE was rich in tag teams in the 80s and, and early 90s. I think they need to kind of tap back into that because people love it. Yeah. All right, so we'll keep our eyes on the tag team division in SmackDown. All right, next matchup, um, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. In a, this, I really like this match. I I knew going in it was going to be good because, I mean, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens are just excellent performers. They're great talkers. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the whole Seth Rollins Monday Night Messiah thing, but he is getting a lot of heat for it. And with his look, he does resemble Jesus <laughs> uh, as we are doing this show on, on Easter weekend. Right. So, uh, but you knew it'd be a good match because Seth Rollins always delivers good matches, in my opinion, as does Kevin Owens. Um, it was physical. Um, I mean, I, this is definitely a match, though, that I would have loved to have seen live and get that crowd pop because, I mean, Kevin Owens delivered some huge high spots. I mean, jump climbing up on the WWE like logo and then like, I guess doing a, just jumping off on the tape onto Seth Rob- Rollins on the table. Um, I mean, it, the action was heavy hitting with them hitting each other with the ring bells. I mean, I just thought it was a really good match and I'm glad that Kevin Owens went over in this match. So what's your take? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan. I, I like both guys, though, because it, we've commented on this previous. Uh, the, the real successful guys in wrestling are the guys that are able to recreate themselves and uh, keep keep recreating themselves through time. That's what gives them the longevity. And, yeah, you may hate the Monday Night Messiah, but it's a total recreation of Seth Rollins, and he is drawing all kinds of heat. So I, I feel like it's a good move for him, uh, and I think that he is one of those guys that can recreate himself and and continue to have longevity. You know, he Kevin Owens and uh, Seth Rollins were both big names in, in Ring of Honor. They were very successful over there before they came over to uh, NXT and WWE. Uh, I love these two guys together. They tell a good story. They're familiar with each other. They've wrestled probably 500 times in their career, and uh, – I thought the match was highly entertaining. Uh, this was probably in my top three or four matches for the whole event. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And so I guess, you know, they'll continue this on Raw. I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, I, I really like Buddy Murphy, and I just hope that he can stay involved. And with Samoa Joe being out, I mean, Kevin Owens is going to have to have somebody else on his his team and so they can continue this battle. And so it's not the four on one or something, at least in my opinion, uh, just to keep it real. Cause I, I do like Murphy. I hope they keep him involved and I just feel like they've got to do more with um, uh, the two big guys, the um, authors of pain AOP. Right. Just because I mean, just to have them kind of like as big Bubba Rogers mercenaries, I, I think after a while it's going to get old and Honestly, I would like to see them. I mean, they would be a great matchup for somebody like um, the Forgotten Sons who just came in, right. or you know Otis and uh, and Tucker. I mean, honestly, if they get through this Otis and uh, Mandy thing with Dolph and Sonya, 
gosh, could you imagine them having a run with um, Seth Rollins and the AOP? And maybe there's some thing where like Seth Rollins is trying to put some curse or something on Mandy. I mean, to me, that seems like a perfect storyline right there. Yeah, they could make that work. And I, you know, again, I like heavy machinery as a tag team. So I I think that that could definitely be a good storyline. Yeah. All right. So good match. Um, You know, applause definitely for Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins for delivering a really good match. All right. And going from a really good match to a really crappy match, (laughs) Braun Strowman versus Goldberg. All right. I, I, I watched this match again um, yesterday, and then they even had a, a replay of it um, on uh, SmackDown last night. And JBL delivered a, a line that I thought was perfect. He said, well, this is going to be – it was something like this is going to be short and fast because neither of these guys work by the hour. Yeah, <laughs> he's right. He is absolutely right. right. Um, so I will basically give the play-by-play of this match. So Braun Strowman comes in. Then Goldberg comes in to his, you know, fireworks and uh, you know, all the display and everything. And so Goldberg hits Braun Strowman with a jackhammer after they kind of, you know, get nose to nose and uh, face off. So he hits Goldberg with a jack uh, with a spear. Sorry, a spear. Uh, Strowman kicks out of the spear. So he kicks, hits him with another spear. And Strowman kicks out again. Hits him with a third spear. Strowman kicks out. Hits him with a force spear. Strowman still kicks out. So then Goldberg is going to go for the jackhammer, and Braun Strowman reverses it, picks him up, picks up Goldberg, puts him into a power slam. Then he hits him with uh, two more power slams, and then finally picks him up, tell, yells at him, "Get up, Goldberg! Get up!" Picks him up and does his power running power slam. For the finish, and Braun Strowman is your new Universal Champion in eight minutes. So, <laughs> so my take on this match: first off, I am glad that Braun Strowman won the match because I felt that, and we've mentioned it several times on this podcast, how his booking has just not always been that good. I mean, he—I thought his matches with Roman Reigns were excellent, and they went from basically him winning several matches over Roman Reigns and turning over um, ambulances and vehicles and being this undestructible monster to um, losing to Sami Zayn for the universal or for the intercontinental title and, you know, going against um, Brock Lesnar and, you know, giving a good match initially and then all of a sudden fading away. And so he couldn't always deliver in the big matches on the big pay-per-views. And so Braun stepped into this match because Roman Reigns couldn't participate because of the coronavirus scare. And and when Miz got diagnosed as being sick, that just really put Roman in the situation where he didn't feel like he could really be there because he's still in remission from leukemia. So I can completely understand that. But I was like, man, they cannot just book Braun Strowman to lose to Goldberg because if you do, where do you go with this guy? Because he's this big monster, yet if he loses to – uh, a two-trick pony Goldberg at 53, I don't know. I just I, I was very concerned going in. So I think they made the right call. But what this match also told me is Goldberg has got to retire. He's just got to retire. I mean, he he's had this good legacy, but yet in the past two years, he had that awful match with The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia, which he got a big payoff for. I mean, they took the title – 
off of The Fiend to give it to Goldberg in a match that wasn't popular at all, and the fans hated it. And his matches have just not been good, even though Goldberg is still in great shape. But he's just not able to deliver in the ring, in my opinion, and I think it's really hurt his legacy. What's your take on this match? So I agree with with some of that, and let's let's call it what it is. Goldberg, I'm a I'm a Goldberg fan. I know some people aren't. Some people are. I've always been. I thought he was a stud when he first come out. I thought they did the right thing with him in WCW. Uh, I thought they did pretty good with him in his first run with WWE. Uh, but let's call it what it is. Goldberg was never one to carry a long match, even in his prime. Okay, Goldberg mm-hmm. Goldberg's longest match may have been 15 minutes uh, tops in his prime. Uh, and if it was longer than that, then whoever he was working with was the one carrying it. OK, Strowman is right in there with him. I'm a Strowman fan. And I and let me preface all this with saying I am excited that Strowman finally got the gold and he he finally got a big win and we're pushing Strowman. I'm I'm 100 percent behind that. But let's let's break down a little bit of what we talked about here on Goldberg. Everybody wants to throw Goldberg under the bus on on Undertaker's match at Crown Jewel. Okay, Goldberg botched, but Undertaker didn't carry the match either. So no, that's it was a bad performance on both both ends. Let let's get that out there right now cuz all the Undertaker marks and and all that get on my nerves with all oh, Goldberg Goldberg Goldberg. Undertaker's no spring chicken and he looks like crap in the ring, okay? Now, we're going to touch on Goldberg here in a little or uh, Undertaker here in a little bit and I'm going to redeem myself by talking about him later. But that crown jewel match was not all Goldberg, okay? It was a bad booking decision, period. Because neither one of these guys are young. Neither one of them can really carry it. So I just want to put that out there. But yes, Goldberg did the job. He carried the belt for a short time. He probably got a big payday, I'm sure. Good for him, you know? Yeah. And I'm with you. I'm concerned about tarnishing tarnishing his legacy in some of these matches because the, the Undertaker match was terrible, which I feel like Undertaker might have tarnished his legacy for true fans that really know what's going on in there. And uh like you said, the Fiend was not a good match with Goldberg. So they do need to kind of cu- start pushing him out. I think he was good to come in and fill some spots that were not be being filled over the last four years. Cause at the time he come in and took on Brock Lesnar, who were they going to put against Brock Lesnar? They needed those to, were good matches. Exactly. And they needed to bring in a monster that was believable to be able to yeah. take Brock Lesnar down. So yeah, Goldberg has played his part on that. But with all yeah. that being said, the match sucked period. That's about as easy as I can put it. It, I don't know that it would have been a great match back in the day when, when Goldberg was in his prime because neither one of these guys go long They neither one of them, you know, have ever been able to carry a long match. But again, I'm glad that Strowman got the belt. I'm anxious to see what they're going to do with him because he is long overdue for a good push. Yeah, I I think this is a match that they really needed that the fans there because I I think if I was watching this at, in my seat at WrestleMania when he hit uh, Strowman with those spears, I mean the fans were going to pop and all that. And the fact that he hit him with four spears uh, and and he got out. That they would have popped for that. And then to see the comeback from Strowman and then him win, I, I think that would have been a huge pop. So I do think that the match suffered from not having the fans there. Agreed. And I think everybody, I mean, we all knew going in 
this was not going to be a beauty contest match. It, <laughs> By it, no it just wasn't. Right. But I don't know. I, I just felt like with with Goldberg, I mean, let's just – well, we'll just you know make it clear that first off, he came in and he really did his job. His job, I think from a booking standpoint, they wanted to put the belt on Roman Reigns. Right. And so they had him defeat the Fiend and set up this – potential spear versus spear match, which from a booking standpoint, it would be a very interesting match because, you know, both Goldberg and Roman Reigns are about the same size, you know, some real powerhouses. So I think that would have been a very compelling match, but Goldberg, I don't think they had any plans for him after WrestleMania. And so, you know, he, he comes in and he's makes his few performances and stuff like that. And so because I think Gold, I mean Goldberg's a smart guy, and he he knows at fifty three years old he really can't keep a full time schedule right uh, like that. And I'm sure he got paid very very well where he doesn't need to at right. this point. So I think they had to put him over Strowman, but I just feel like with Goldberg he was so iconic in that uh, the WCW era, and then I really thought his matches with Brock Lesnar a couple of years ago were really really good. And now, you know, he's had to lose a few and, you know, he had that match with the undertaker that just wasn't good. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, what, what else do you really do with Goldberg? You know, unless you bring him back and you get some feud with him and like Randy Orton, who Randy Orton can carry a match. Right. I just, I just don't know. And I think if I was Goldberg, I would be like, you know what? I've taken enough bumps in my career and, uh, right off into the sunset. And as for Strowman, um, you know, it looks like that they're going to go uh, uh, with him against the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, uh, based on SmackDown last night. And I think that's a good pairing. Um, they're going to go back with this. Hey, they were part of the Wyatt family together. Br- uh, Bray Wyatt brought in Braun Strowman, made him what he was in wrestling, and he has turned his back on the Wyatt family. So I think from a storytelling standpoint, that's going to be really good. Yeah, What's your I, take on yeah that? I totally agree. I think that they need to go back to the Wyatt family days and really tap into that because I was a huge Wyatt family uh, fan. I thought that that was a great storyline. I thought it was a great faction. Uh, I loved when they brought Strowman in, I, and I think this can generate good heat. I think it'll get, uh, you know, the crowd will love it. Strowman kind of being the face, and of course the Fiend being the bad guy. Does the yeah. Fiend does the Fiend bring? Eric Rowan back into the mix, you know, to kind of help out or, you know, how does that work? And I hope they do because Eric Rowan's just kind of out there floundering right now. I and, was getting ready to ask you that because I felt the same way. Yeah, I, I hope that they bring him back in and get him some some time because uh, he – I like Eric Rowan I, and I love the, the Wyatt family. I thought it was great. So I think that that's a good storyline, and I think right now that's the hottest thing that you can do with Strowman is pair him with that because of the history – and who else are they going to work with right now, right? So Strowman needs somebody, and the Fiend is a perfect, perfect uh, heel for that. So I, I think they're hitting the nail on the head with this one. Yeah. So we'll see how that that pans out. So back, All back, right. back to the Goldberg match real quick though. One thing that they sh- they should have done is let Goldberg hit the jackhammer and let Strowman kick out. They should have done that. Why do you say that? Because that shows that Goldberg is still the monster that he once was, and it also shows Strowman uh, can uh, take anything and get out of Goldberg's famous 
uh, finisher. So I think it would have been good for both both characters. Goldberg could get the big 350-pounder up and, and deliver it. Strowman kicks out of it. I, I think it's good for both characters. They, sh- they should have went with that. You know, the the thing is, though, I don't know if Goldberg could get Braun Strowman up because he tried that at uh, with The Undertaker in um, Saudi Arabia, and it didn't work, and Undertaker almost got hurt. So I don't know that he could pull it off. But what you're, you got to look at here is Strowman is a lot more athletic at this point than Undertaker because to get that move off, you've got to be able to help him, right? Yeah. It's, it's not just Goldberg doing it. Strowman could get himself up. Goldberg would just have to hold him for a split second and deliver it. Yeah. Well, let's see. I, I kind of liked it that they that he wasn't able to get the jackhammer on because, um, number one, I just didn't think he could do it. But number two, I felt like with Goldberg, had he hit that and Strowman kicks out, then it's like, I don't know, that makes Goldberg, I guess, look even worse. But, I mean, I see your point too. It's It makes Strowman maybe even stronger to kick out of the finishing move of the jackhammer. So I, I can see your point. Right. All right. So any, any more on this matchup? No, sir. All right. So moving along, the final match of day one was the undertaker versus AJ styles in a boneyard match that didn't happen in the ring, but actually happened in a boneyard in a video segment. So what was your take on this matchup and also your expectation going in? It really, to be honest, I when I seen what was going on and how they were going to do this match, it, what happened is kind of, kind of how I predicted it. Believe it or not, I was kind of expecting something like that. However, they did it in a movie style scene, which was it it surpassed my expectations on that part of it. Instead of just doing it like a regular uh, filming, I think that they the way that they did it in a, in like the movie style. Uh, camera work and all that. I thought it was great. And for all the bad stuff I said about Undertaker against Goldberg, I'm getting ready to redeem it because I thought that they carried this match well. I thought AJ was the right person for Undertaker because an old Undertaker can be made to look good by AJ. Also with that, AJ's uh, cronies came in and interfered and Undertaker handled business and was able to fight them all off. And I thought, you know, overall, this was a very creative match. It was very different. A wrestling purist is probably not going to like this kind of thing. But, you know, the kid in me that had seen all the storylines growing up in the crazy 80s and things like that really, really enjoyed this match. And I thought the pairing of AJ and Undertaker was good. The dialogue was good. Uh, Undertaker talking trash to AJ and, and all that and getting his redemption from all the the crap that AJ had been spewing over the past several weeks and months uh, really, really kicked out. And Undertaker kind of got to be that uh, vengeful husband because AJ was talking bad about Undertaker's wife and and things like that. So I thought it played out well. I was very entertained. And for this situation and the way this WrestleMania had to be done, I thought they hit hit it spot on with this match. I thought it was very good. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a good setup for the Undertaker because um I felt that if they had this in the ring, it would expose the Undertaker's deficiencies due to just age that you you would expect from somebody who's been wrestling for that long. Exactly. Um at 53 years old. Um and so I felt they were able to hide a lot of his deficiencies. 
uh, and focus on his strengths. And his strengths are if he gets a hold of you, he's still going to do a whole lot of damage. Um, and I like the fact that he rode in on the motorcycle, kind of back to the, the American badass thing. Right. Um, and I thought, you know, they were able to make The Undertaker look as good as possible. And I feel like at this stage of Undertaker's career, you know, he's had some matches that were not that great and he needed to have a good match. And so I, I just felt that character development and the, the video crew, they, they did everything they could to make Undertaker look good in this match. So, and obviously they were going to have him go over AJ here. The thing I, I guess I have to question is, okay, I don't think, I mean, because this match got rave reviews from a lot of people. I mean, I think even Jim Cornette liked it. Um, I mean, he wasn't like head over heels on it, but I mean, he was more supportive than, than not. But I guess my question is for WWE, what, what's going to be the role for Undertaker in the future? Because this did work and, you know, we're not going to have this coronavirus situation forever, you know, God willing. So when they do WrestleMania next year, do they want to try to do something like this again? Because it did work for The Undertaker. And doing something like this would allow you to do maybe another year or two of The Undertaker, may, maybe more. But yet you put him in the ring like that, I don't know that it works. Because then he'll be another year older or another two years older. And it's just it's going to be harder. I agree. So, I agree a hundred percent. And you put it into words better than than I did when I was given my uh, synopsis. Basically, you said exactly what I was thinking. They kept it out of the ring. They made it more like a movie, and it was more of a like a fight than a wrestling match because Undertaker can't execute like he used to, and yeah. and AJ was able to carry that in that scenario, and Undertaker was made to look good, right? I mean, Undertaker looked like Undertaker from ten years ago. You you alluded to it a little bit, and that's because it wasn't a sheer wrestling match, and it was not in the ring. I think that the movie crews did good, the angles were good, and it was more kicks and punches and things like that, and weapons than you know executing a go-go plata or an armbar or a you know a body slam or suplex or anything like that. So I, it worked in under, Undertaker's favor for sure. In a normal situation, though, back to what you just said, I mean, how long do we stretch this out? You know, because mm -hmm. if everybody's ready for action in the ring and they go to this, is the people at WrestleMania going to be happy? The people watching it, you know, the, the pay-per-view might be happy, but the people there, are they going to be happy? Because it's not really there. So, yeah, I, I guess they could still pull it off in, in a, a stadium because obviously they turn the lights off and everything and they have these big screens to watch and stuff. But I guess for some people you're, I, I don't know, I, but I do think this is a, a formula that works well for the undertaker. Agreed. So we'll, we'll see how they progress in the future on that. All right. So that concludes the day one of WrestleMania. So overall, I thought the, the matches were, were all really good. Um, you know, we didn't, we weren't fans of the Becky Lynch match mainly the, the finish, but uh, overall the matches were good. And, you know, I just think a, a lot of credit has to go to the wrestlers in these matches because it, it was, it had to be weird other than the AJ Styles Undertaker match. It had to be weird going into these big matches and not having the fans there because they, they, the wrestlers feed off the reaction of the fans. Right. So, 
you know, they had to focus on the match at hand, and I, I thought they did a good job. Well, just in a quick, quick uh, scenario or, or synopsis here, the stinkers for day one to me, Becky Lynch, Shayna Baszler, Strowman and Goldberg, the winners, Undertaker and AJ, uh, Morrison and Uso and Kingston, and Kevin Owens and Rollins. Those were definitely the top three for day one. And so those were the good ones, and I, I mentioned the two stinkers. So, Yeah. Well, and I'd also want to uh, plug that Alexa Bliss-Nikki Cross match versus the Kabuki Warriors. I thought that was a really good match. Very, very good match as well. So, all right. So moving on to day two, um, we started – we talked briefly about the kickoff match with Liv Morgan and Natalia, where Liv Morgan went over. And we started with a really – great matchup of Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. I was really excited about this match going in. Uh, you got two women who are big, strong, physical performers who could really go. I thought the buildup was very good with Charlotte Flair um, going over to NXT and challenging Rhea. Um, I, I was just really excited about this match. So give me your take on Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley, where Charlotte Flair comes away with the win and is your new NXT Women's Champion. Well, you and I and our third uh, counterpart that joins us, uh, sometimes Christian, have all been kind of talking about this on the way up uh, in previous episodes. I thought this was a dynamite matchup. I love both ladies. I think they're both very super athletic. I think they are the next level for women's wrestling. Uh, I think they put it up there right with the guys. Uh, I'd been waiting on this matchup for for months, as as we said. Good, good matchup. I think they booked it well. I think <clears throat> to get the heat that you need to generate, you had to put Charlotte over here. And I think that this is a battle that can go on for a while because now I feel like th that Charlotte will be going to NXT to uh, defend the belt. And then, of course, her main competition is going to be Rhea. So I think it's a good matchup between the two. They size up well because Rhea is a, a, a big gal. Uh, you know, and I mean that as far as like muscular and, and height and Charlotte, of course, is is one of the taller, bigger girls in the in the division. So I think that uh, they match up quite well and they both they both showed out here in my mind. I thought the matchup was great. I agree. It was uh, 30 minutes and, you know, it did seem to go a little long, I, I felt. But overall, the match was really good and I felt like I didn't have a problem with this being a 30-minute match because I, I was going to be surprised if Charlotte Flair didn't go over here. But I think the longer it went, it made Rhea Ripley look strong. And I think they definitely wanted to achieve that with uh, NXT and WWE here because I think Rhea uh, is, in, is intended to be a star in the women's division for many years. So I thought the action was great. I thought you know Rhea got a lot of good shots in on Charlotte Flair and Flair so well. I mean, Flair got her offense in. I like the fact that she was going after the knee for Rhea and Rhea was trying to sell that. And I thought she did a good job. And ultimately she tapped out by Charlotte Flair, putting her in the figure four and bridging up to the figure eight in a good match. So I, I was excited and you know, I didn't know about this, but apparently another reason why Charlotte Flair went against Rhea Ripley besides I think just a great matchup. Um, we may not see a rematch of this for a while because uh, uh, Rhea had a, a work visa that was getting ready to expire soon. So she's having to go back to, I think it's new uh, 
Australia. I think it's Australia where she's from. But anyway, she's having to go back over there. Well, with the coronavirus stuff going on, she's going to be quarantined uh, in her home country for two weeks before she can come back. And they're having to work out the work visa and all that. So, you know, they if they didn't turn the belt over to Charlotte Flair, they were going to have a gap in who the champion was going to be. And I think by putting it on Charlotte – I mean, she's just going to continue to grow that brand and helps them compete with AEW on Wednesday nights. I agree with that. Uh, you and I alluded to that in a previous episode that we we kind of predicted this, that they would put the belt on Charlotte to draw ratings. And, it, you know, I hate that about Rhea. You just uh, educated me on that. I didn't realize they were having those issues. Yeah. And uh, that just really, I, I can't stand that because I really like her. And I think she is on the way up. I mean, she's still super young and she can carry the the brand and the, the WWE image for a long time. I, I thought they should have put the belt on Charlotte anyway, but to your point, I, this will be a perfect ratings booster because a lot of us like watching Charlotte. So I think it will be, yeah. Good. You know, um, the thing that's kind of interesting, uh, there were some critics who were like, you know, they, they shouldn't have buried Rhea Ripley, which they didn't know about this with her work visa situation, which I, I guess from WWE's perspective, I would be like, how did they let that happen? You know, why, they should have had the work visa. And I'm not an immigration lawyer, but I'm like pretty sure you can do things to like get that stuff extended where people don't have to go back to another country. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, they should not be in a, putting her in a position where she's having to go back for a couple of weeks and then, you know, not having her available because people want to see this rematch. And so now Charlotte goes over to NXT and we'll get to it a little bit with Bianca Belair. You know, that would be a great matchup, but Bianca Belair is now on raw. Don't give it away. Don't, don't give it away. We'll touch on that. (laughs) I know, I know, but we got to talk about with Charlotte and her fuse with NXT. So maybe, you know, the, the thing about with NXT is they do have a lot of really good women over there. And that Raquel Gonzalez is a big woman who could go against her. Um, I like Tony storm. Uh, who's uh, that blonde? I guess she's from NXT UK. Agreed. But she's really good. And, I mean, good and physical. So we'll see. But not having Rhea and you don't have uh, Shayna Baszler over there, you know, it's a little bit different. So we'll, I'm anxious to see how NXT is gonna gonna handle all this. But um, anyway, congratulations to Charlotte Flair. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. So some people were saying that um, they didn't like the fact that that um, Charlotte beat Rhea because they were like, you shouldn't be burying Rhea. She's on her way up. But I look at it like this. Charlotte's still pretty young. I mean, Charlotte's like maybe 30 or like 31, 32. So she's still in the, she's in the prime of her career. Right. And so I feel like it's still better. You don't bury Charlotte here to Rhea Ripley. No. Even if she didn't have the work visa thing, you you put it on Charlotte Flair because the story is that Rhea continues to build and the climb. And then she finally gets the title, like what you had when Sting would battle Ric Flair, or you had the Von Erichs battling Ric Flair. You know, you've got to have it where somebody's battling or even Ric Flair when he was battling Harley race and finally got the championship. You've got to have that build before the, the younger star gets the title. Yeah. I mean, it's like saying the rookie beats, the veteran that the and the veterans in their prime, you can't just let the rookie come in and run rough shot. I mean, it's to me, I don't think they buried her at all because she put up a great match. I mean, I agree. She had Charlotte on the ropes many times during that match. So, and it could have went either way, right? Athletically and all that, she was toe to toe with her. So, I, I think 
no matter what, the booking was done correctly here. And true fans should know that. They should recognize that. Yeah. But All right. So back, that, that was a really great match. Back to your point, though, I have to admit, where was Vince and Triple H and all that on this whole Rhea Ripley thing? I can't believe they let let that one slip. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I I just don't know how they, they overlooked that. And really, something Rhea would be aware of as well. But, True. I mean, maybe it is an immigration law that you have to go back and be away. But, I mean, they've had to deal with this with Canadian wrestlers for a while. I mean, they had to deal with it with Jericho and others and Bret Hart. Uh, so I don't rem- I don't remember them taking breaks like that until Jericho got a little bit older and just would take time off or something. But I don't know. We'll see. But the bottom line is Rhea Ripley will be back, and I'm sure we will see several rematches of this great matchup. So moving on to our next match, we've got Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. Bobby is accompanied by Lana to the ring. So what, what's your take on this match? Because it, it was definitely a good physical match. It was a good physical match. Uh, I know, I understand that they're pushing Aleister Black. I feel like that they, and this is me only, I'm a, I'm a Lashley fan. I think Lashley is underutilized. I think they're not giving him the push. They're not putting him in the mix for the belt. He should be up there. He's the guy that should be sizing it up with Brock Lesnar. They're both MMA guys, heavyweight MMA guys. They're both ex-amateur uh, wrestlers with acclaimed uh, careers as amateur wrestlers. He's the guy that could mix it up with Brock Lesnar. He should be the guy that's going in there and doing it. The Lana thing, yeah, they, they need to shed that. I, I'm over that storyline because everybody knows the truth behind it. Mm-hmm. Alistair Black's a tough guy. I want to see him do well. I like his look. I like his entrance music and things like that. But I don't think that you put Alistair Black over Lashley in the manner that it happened. It was a good match. It was good and physical and, you know, all that. But I just, I feel like they're they're watering Lashley down and he's kind of uh, fallen to the wayside now. I agree. I agree. And I guess the, the mindset for the booking in the match was, you know, they're trying to push Aleister Black. I, I'm not that big of an Aleister Black fan. I, I think he's a good technical wrestler, but I don't think he's better than, um, uh, gosh, Ricochet. I, I don't. I don't think he's better than Ricochet, but I, I would like to see them battle. Um, and I guess they're pushing him as a face. But um, the thing I guess they're trying to set up with Aleister Black winning here is because the way he won, I mean, Lashley was really taking it to Black. And – he was getting ready to go for his finishing move. And then all of a sudden Lana yells out uh, or Lana yells out spear him, spear him. So he waits a little bit, tries to spear. And of course it goes awry and uh, black magic is connected on by Aleister black and Bobby Lashley loses. So it creates some friction between Bobby Lashley and Lana and that bled over into raw where he's thinking about, you know, making some changes, maybe a new wife because I think WWE is realizing, as well as probably Lana and um, and Bobby are realizing, this whole Lana Bobby Lashley thing. It, it's just not getting over with fans at all. Yeah, it's not. And maybe they used WrestleMania to to fuel that fire. Maybe that's what they're yeah. thinking. They're thinking more big picture. Yeah. But behind that, man, please don't WWE creative. Please don't bury Bobby Lashley because he is. I agree. A super athlete. I mean, they they put the belt on him years ago when he was over there. He carried TNA for a while. I mean, he is a guy that can match up with the Strowmans. He can match up with the Lesners. 
I just can't believe they haven't put him and Lesnar together. That that baffles. I, I agree. It baffles. I me. agree. Yeah. No, they they should have had that match for sure. So yeah, let's let's hope um, the booking gets better for Bobby Lashley because I mean he's a great athlete. He has a great look. Um, they need to do something. I mean, even if they bring Sheamus over, Sheamus is a guy too. I really like Sheamus. Agree. Great look, but it's like maybe who does he go against uh, in um, in SmackDown unless they have a – I mean, they've got uh, Braun Strowman going against Bray Wyatt, but what's Sheamus going to do in the interim? And right. maybe he go, goes against Braun Strowman at some point, but Sheamus is too good to, to be just sitting there. So maybe – I mean, I would like to see a matchup with him and Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I think they could make that work for sure. Yeah. All right, so the next match on the card was, of course, really the greatest match of all of WrestleMania, Otis defeating Dolph Ziggler and ending up with Mandy Rose. So that's why we moved it up to the beginning of our show. So great match. We've talked about that. So we're going to move on to the match of Edge versus Randy Orton in basically a Falls Count Anywhere match. So what's your take on this where you've got Edge returning back from injury and after being – Beaten with a concerto by Randy Orton, um, you know, going targeting the neck that uh, Edge is returning from this neck injury, and of course, Randy Orton's one of the the best villains and heels in all of wrestling, and has been for a long time. So, what was your take on this matchup? I think that this was a great. I mean, I think they did everything right here. Uh, I thought the build up to this match, the feud, you know, it's like two brothers, two best friends going at it. Those are always the better. Uh, feuds because it's heartfelt and of course the the audience the the universe is engaged you know that you've got emotional ties to this because a lot of us that have been fans for a while and i'll admit i kind of wanted to see a rated rko uh comeback i wanted to kind of see them team up again because i really liked their their team back in the day but all this ended up being a a fantastic feud uh they they pulled beth phoenix in of course she carried it with her uh uh, verbal back and forth with Randy. And then of course, Randy, uh, hit her out of nowhere <laughs> as they like to say with the, with the RKO. And, uh, of course that just put edge fueled edges fire. Uh, overall, I thought the match was great. They carried it. Well, it was brutal. Uh, I think maybe it went just a little too long. I think they could have ended it maybe, you know, five, 10 minutes earlier. But other than that, I can't hate on the match. I thought it was good. I, Matter of fact, I even commented uh, to my wife who was watching it with me that I felt like the referee did good on this match too. I thought the referee played a good part. So overall, I think that that they put it together very well. Yeah. Overall, I, I, I agree with you. I thought it was a really good match. I mean, very physical. I mean, hats off to Edge and Randy Orton for just delivering in a, a really physical, brutal match for 36 minutes. I mean, that was that was pretty commendable. I. I guess I had three points on the match that is my takeaways. Number one, I thought the brutality was was off the ch- – well, I'm not going to say off the charts. It was really, really good. So I, I just thought Edge and Randy gave get great performances. I felt it was a little long, so I agree with you. It would have been better to be like a 20, 25-minute match. But, uh, so I had that, but I felt that the ending – with uh, Randy uh, losing to the concerto, I thought that was a proper ending. So overall, I I think it was an A match, 
because of just the the performance that the guys gave. I mean, they they really gave their all there. Um, but I just felt it went a little long. Oh, and the final point that I felt like is I felt like the commentators should have been maybe a little more into it. Like this is a match that should have been called by Joey Styles from ECW. I agree. In my opinion, I agree with that. So, <laughs> Joey. I felt they were too a little too calm on the commentary at times, and I'm like, you know, they they really needed someone to get really excited like Joey Styles there. Joey could have really carried this match from a from a commentary standpoint. That is an excellent point. Yeah. So, but overall, is a good match. Um, we'll see how this goes. And this is another thing too. You know, talking about with direction of Bobby Lashley. I mean, if they, I, I think they're going to have Edge continue. Um, I mean, why? I don't know why they wouldn't. He looked to be in great shape. Uh, definitely had the des- the desire to keep going. Um, you know, maybe they have some unfinished business here with he and Orton, but you know, getting Lashley in that th- three big guys that can really go. I, that'd be an interesting match up between uh, Lashley and one of those two guys, Edge or Orton. Well, Edge is in in tremendous condition I, for his age. What's he forty five or forty six? I think. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, he looks better than he did uh, in his last couple years before he retired. What nine years ago? So yeah. I, I think he's uh, he's ready. I think he's doing well. Uh, I think they put him. You know, this is me. I'm I'm not the WWE or or anything like that. Obviously, I'm no expert. I'm just a fan that's been watching it for 35 years. But uh, Edge, I think they put him in a limited program. You know, or a limited schedule because he is at, at 46. Don't don't bring him in and just week in and week out and pound him on a road and and you know 300 days a year and all that. Let's put him on a modified schedule and and do a couple of feuds here and there and and get as much out of it as we can. You know, the fans like it. I'm not a huge Edge fan, but I love seeing him come back like this, and I love seeing uh, comeback stories because I was actually at the WrestleMania where he injured himself, and he had to come out like the next night and say that he was done. So uh, it, it means a lot to me to see him come back after nine years. I think it's great. Yeah. All right, so we'll keep our eyes on where uh, Edge goes along with Randy Orton. All right, uh, next matchup, we have the Street Profits, the the Raw Tag Team Champions against Angel Garza and Austin Theory. And Austin Theory had just made um, an appearance from NXT um, because um, ah, the U.S. champion, um, gosh, I, I see his face. So he's with Selena Vega, uh, Andrade. Andrade, yep. He's not out, was not able in the match. I think he... Got sick, or there was something, or I know he's had some wellness policy violations too. But honestly, I really liked this match. I thought, I mean, it wasn't like my favorite match of the card, but I thought it was a very entertaining match. I thought the wrestling was good. Um, so uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. Give your breakdown on this matchup between the Street Profits and Angel Garza and Austin Theory. So first and foremost, let's call out uh, Theory for stepping up and stepping in, kind of uh, last minute type situation there Mm -hmm. and and these kids come out and i'm talking both sides street profits and garza theory these kids come out and put it on the line man i was happy with this match i thought it was a very entertaining athletic match Uh, i like the profits uh, uh, as a team and i thought garza and theory were a good team so i don't agree i don't know where that puts andrade when he does come back but uh i I think they need to stick with garza and theory because they really did well man I think there was some magic there that they need to harness. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. 
the end of the match was great. You know, uh, high high paced action, very good. When uh, the profits won and or uh, or ever, I, I can't remember exactly how that happened, but uh, what's her name? The uh, Bianca Belair. No, the the other one, Angel. Oh, or, Selena, no, Selena, Selena Vega. Selena, Selena Vega. Vega. Yeah, when she come in and was like doing her thing at the end of the match and was interfering and beating up and all that. And then Bianca Belair came out. Hey, I'm a Bianca Belair mark. I love her. I think she's awesome. I think she's the next big thing for women's wrestling. She came out and handled her business. I went, you know, I wish the crowd would have been there because she would have got a amazing pop when she come out. And then she beat the tar out of uh, <laughs> Selena Vega. And then, of mm-hmm. course, they, they celebrated at the end, her and her husband and uh, his tag team partner, and now, like you alluded to earlier, it looks like Bianca's going to be in W or uh, in Raw, and I think that's mm-hmm. a great great move. She's called up to the big stage. Let's see what she does. Yeah, now I, I thought the match overall was really good. Um, I, I honestly, I really like the tag pairing of Angel Garza and Austin Theory because both guys were in uh, NXT recently. I don't think they ever paired with each other, but I thought their chemistry in the ring was really good. Excellent, and honestly. I feel like that's a, a good position for them in WWE because the Street Profits need somebody to go against. Honestly, um, you know they took the title off of Rollins and and Buddy Murphy because Rollins can't really be the tag champion because he's doing all the single stuff with Kevin Owens. So you've got to have somebody defending it. And like we had talked before with um, the the Viking Raiders and uh, when they were, were champions, it was like. They didn't have anybody to go against unless it was Gallows and Anderson. And then Gallows and Anderson are doing this thing with AJ Styles. Then they brought the Street Profits up and the Street Profits. I mean, they were both faces with them and the Viking Raiders. So it was like, what are you going to do here? And so they decided to put on the Street Profits because I think they're good on the mic. They're entertaining. They're fun. I think they're really good athletes. I mean, Montez Ford, when he jumps out, I mean, he is really really physical matter of fact leading up to this um on an episode of raw he went and dove out of the ring and did a backflip and austin theory didn't even know about it didn't even try to brace the fall so he landed like full on on out on the floor (laughs) like that's austin theory learned about that for future matches right (laughs) uh, because they had it in this in this match when montez ford did it then um then um the other guy from Street Profits in theory, they were together, and so they were both there to kind of brace the fall. But uh, I thought it was a good match. I thought the ending was good, um, and I'm glad the Street Profits went over because I, I just think they they uh, bring good energy. And I like the fact that they're using this to bring uh, Bianca Belair up because that way her being with the Street Profits gives them more, um, I guess, uh, exposure and it also gives something for Garza and Theory and Selena Vega to do. Because Selena Vega is good in the ring. She's small. I mean, Bianca Belair is going to dominate her physically. But she's good in the ring. Agreed. I, I do I do like her uh, wrestling style and, and her athleticism. She does very well. Now, what I don't want to happen here, though, is Bianca Belair taking a back seat because she's with them. I don't want her to get watered down and not be in the main event picture for the women's uh, division because she's with them. So I hope that WWE handles it correctly. Well, the way I would see it would be this. I think, I think at the end of the day, um, whatever comes out of the Becky Shayna Baszler feud, 
that'll be the time that they end the feud with the Street Profits and Garza and Theory. And Bianca Belair eventually will step into a, a championship match. I don't know if it would be SummerSlam, but maybe it's something where, you know, toward the end of the year, like your Thanksgiving, it isn't Royal Rumble things. No, Royal Rumble is usually uh, January. Right. Um, Survivor Series, I could see a Survivor Series match inv- involving her. Um, but at some point, she's going to have a run for the title. I and I would personally like to see her have a, a run with uh, Becky Lynch and take the title from Becky Lynch. Yes, yes, I agree. And then go title for title with Charlotte eventually. I think that'd be a good matchup. Yeah. The only thing I would say about with um, – and, and when I saw uh, Bianca come up, I'm like, okay, because – and I'm glad that they did the Charlotte Flair match before this match because if you had Bianca Belair – Let's say that because this very easily could have been a first match on the card uh, type of match for day two. Um, And if you had Bianca Belair come out early, then you would know that Charlotte Flair is definitely winning over Rhea Ripley and going to NXT because they wouldn't take one of their big women stars from NXT and move her to Raw unless you had someone going down there to replace her. Right. That's that's the way I, I looked at that. But, boy, I sure would like to have seen a, a Bianca Belair-Charlotte uh, Flair matchup in NXT, too. Because they, they had some, some heat going with each other when Charlotte uh, was interfering with her match with um, uh, Bianca and Rhea. So there was some heat there. But we'll see. I think Bianca Belair is a star. I think she's good on the mic. Um, I think she, uh, she brings real power. I mean, she is built like a truck. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. So I, I just think she's brings a lot of good matchup opportunities for the women's division in Raw. Absolutely. So, and, you know, with the Street Profits, I I mean, these these um, this was a pairing for ultimately three matches on Raw, which I thought went a little bit long. It started out with the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Austin Theory, and then it resulted in a disqualification, and then you had – Bianca Belair go against Selena Vega, and then there was interference, and so they ended up a, a triple threat match or a, a six man ta- or six person tag match. So, but I but I was sitting there watching it through Raw, and I was like, you know what, this is really good wrestling, and I didn't have a problem that they went that long. I mean, maybe they could have cut it just a little bit, but all of it was entertaining, and I I just feel like it's it's good for Angel Garza and Austin Theory keep these guys relevant. Yes, sir, I agree a hundred percent. And to talk on your point about uh, Andrade, you know, this guy, he has been the U.S. champion, and he had his feuds with um, with Rey Mysterio, which I thought were good. And I think Andrade is good in the ring. He I, I, I think he's very good. But he's here today, gone tomorrow. He had a wellness policy violation. I think he had an injury. Uh, he's had something. So here we had WrestleMania. And I, I can't remember if he was sick. I, I think he was sick, and that's why um, – or, or something. And because of the coronavirus thing, that's why they had to bring up Austin Theory for all this. It seems like but, the, the commentator said something about an injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, that's that's the story they had to give. Of course. Uh, per se. But I don't know with Andrade, though, because he's – I don't think he's really done any benefit to the U.S. title. I mean, he hasn't really defended it enough. Um, I'm not really that interested in his 
rivalry with Humberto Carrillo. Right. I mean, I think both guys are kind of good in the ring, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, unless they do something with Mysterio, I don't know where you take Andrade unless to me, I would probably match him up with, um, with um, Alistair Black. And I think I'd take the title off of um, uh, Andrade and put on Alistair Black. I mean, I I think that's the right push if they're if they're truly trying to push Alistair, which it seems like they are with his victory over Lashley. I think putting gold on him is is the right move, and they need to bring legitimacy back to the U.S. title. I mean, man, for for years it wasn't legitimate. John Cena won it and kind of sort of brought legitimacy back to it for a while. I don't know if you remember that that mm-hmm. that little era there, which I was excited about because I always enjoyed the u.s title it was a, a wcw belt and then after cena uh kind of got out of that storyline it kind of died back down so they really need to bring legitimacy in my mind back to intercontinental and u.s titles yeah i i agree i think the intercontinental um <laughs> i mean the miz did a really good job with intercontinental title and he's he was a good u.s champion and jericho did i i liked when um rusev had the u.s title i agree and you know, I'd like for him to get back on, on the air, and you know the whole Rusev day was great. But I just don't. I, I think they're going to have to do something with, uh, with uh, this U.S. title because where it is right now is just not where it needs to be. Well, if Andrade doesn't come back, let's vacate it and do a tournament. Yeah, something or you know Ricochet. I mean, I like I like him, but it, uh, you know his booking lately has not been as ideal as I would like and you know they've kind of been burying Cedric Alexander too and I don't know that he's U.S. title material but he's really really good I mean it would be nice if they brought back a TV title or something because I don't know why Vince McMahon is not really key on um, uh, Cedric Alexander and maybe it's his size I don't know but he's he's built like a brick house just like uh, uh, Ricochet is I mean they can really move in the ring I mean I really like their matchups and that would and if they would just, you know, not try to bury people in the ring, I mean, and not just automatically put over Alistair Black if they just kind of let them go. Right. I think matchups with Alistair Black and Ricochet and Alistair Black and Cedric Alexander are really entertaining. And Buddy Murphy, they're really entertaining. Agreed. But it's it, it's always like it just gets into some point in the match where they just are like, all right, well, we got to put Alistair Black over, even though really you look at the match. And I don't think it should necessarily be booked that way. A lot of those matches with him and um, uh, Buddy Murphy, I thought Buddy Murphy should have gone over. Right. But anyway, we'll see what happens there with, with those guys and also the Street Profits and Garza and Theory. Now, who, right, who then, was the guy that you just mentioned? Uh, my mind is drawn a blank now. You were just talking about him. Buddy Murphy? No, the other guy. Cedric Alexander? Cedric Alexander. Do yourself a favor. And go on YouTube and look at Cedric Alexander in Ring of Honor. He had some amazing matches over there. And there was another guy called uh, that went by ACH. And mm-hmm. those guys tore the house down every time they got in the ring. So sometime when you got some time, go go over there and look up Ring of Honor, uh, Cedric Alexander. Yeah. No, I definitely will. And I, our listeners should, should too, because he's really great in the ring. And when they had the 205 Live title and stuff i mean he was just fantastic in the ring agree so all right so next matchup um we go to the smackdown women's title and basically a 
uh, a multi-woman match that you had like Bailey, Sasha Banks, Tamina. Um, you had oh, uh, Lacey Evans and um, and uh, Naomi in the matchup. So a lot of very talented women in the ring. Scott, what was your take on this matchup? I think it was a good matchup. I love uh, Lacey and Naomi. Bailey is a good heel. I think that they made the right move with her going heel. Uh, I think uh, this is a good segue build up to Sasha and Bailey kind of having some heat. Uh, I think that at the end you could kind of see that, and then of course the subsequent uh, interviews afterwards and, and before. Really, I think that uh, you can tell there's going to be a little bit of friction there eventually, and that's going to be a great storyline that they can carry out. So I, I think the match went well. I think it was entertaining. Uh, I've always liked Tamina. Uh, I'm glad that she was able to be in a WrestleMania match. I think she does not get the props that she deserves. And uh, overall, I think everybody played their part. And, uh, of course, uh, I think Sasha and Bailey will end up having a feud out of it. And it's money. I think that they'll they'll draw a lot of money doing that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm glad they kept Bailey as the champion because um, I, I agree with you. I think she's been a good heel. Um, she's a good wrestler, so I think it was important since she's especially such a big wrestling fan too to give her a WrestleMania win. You know, even though there wasn't a crowd there, I, I still think it's important, probably to her personally, to get that. Um, but yeah, I really like Sasha Banks though. She is so good. I mean, the women's division really missed her when she was out. Um, you know, she can talk. She's got sass. Uh, you know, she's a really good wrestler. Um. And I, I thought Lacey gave a good performance as well. I thought Naomi gave a, a so-so performance. I, I think they should – I just like Naomi a lot as a wrestler. I think she's very talented, and I felt like she should probably have had a better run in that match. I agree. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised that they teamed up on Tamina to take her out first, but um, – yeah, they did. smart move. <laughs> yeah. Well, and honestly, from a booking standpoint um, – that still makes Tamina look strong. Right. It's like, all right, yeah, she goes out, but it's because four women, including a pretty big woman, Lacey Evans, they all tag up on her and, and take her out. But um, I thought that was probably the, the best way to go there. But I do like Lacey a lot. Um, I'm, I'm glad that um, you know there was the friction that she still had with Bailey because I do think at some point they'll put a belt on her. I think she's good on the mic. I think um, you know being that, that mom, that working mom, really resonates with a lot of women um, in the audience. Right. So I think that's good. But ultimately, I think we'll get down to that Bailey-Sasha uh, fight. And I think even last night when you watched uh, SmackDown, they had um, Sasha and Bailey together, and Tamina came out and was going to challenge um, uh, uh, Bailey for the title. And, of course, Sasha steps in and is like, hey, 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 what are you doing? You know, we have a pecking order around here. You can't just come back after being off – uh, uh, off on the beach or said something about like I'm on vacation sipping coconuts or whatever um, to her. Sasha was saying that and she's like, you got to earn your spot here. And so then Baylor's like, yeah, so if you want a shot with me, you can get it only if you beat my friend Sasha Banks next week. So then Sasha looked at her and was like, what are you doing? You're kind of like sacrificing me to the wolves. And even to me, this comment was like, yeah, well, you know, Bailey, you just sacrificed your friend. So I liked it from two reasons. Number one, I, it gives Tamina uh, an important match, and hopefully they'll find some way where there's some type of involvement from 
Bailey and she causes Sasha to lose the match. And that way that she builds up that match with Tamina and Bailey. Uh, but also it kind of gives more fuel to the fire of a building friction, which has always kind of been there for the past couple of years between Sasha and Bailey. Right. But just kind of adds more to that. So, and I, and I, so I expect next week that uh, Tamina will go over and win against Sasha due to some type of inadvertent in- interference with Bailey. Cause that's kind of what happened in the WrestleMania match. Um, you know, Bailey was going to, she was trying to avoid the women's right from, um, from Lacey and she like spinned her away and inadvertently spun her around. And so Sasha Banks was right in the middle to take that, that woman's right from Lacey and ended up losing. Right. So I think something like that would happen in that match with Tamina and, uh, we'll see, but I tell you what, Sasha Banks is money. I mean, you put her in any situation she delivers. I agree. She is entertaining and very athletic. Yep. Very athletic. So, Anyway, but I'm glad that Bailey went uh, over in this match. I thought it was a good match. I, I mean, I don't think it was as good as Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, but I still think it was a good, solid match uh, for the women. Agree. And really, if you look at all the women's matches um, on WrestleMania, they were good. I mean, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross uh, and the Kabuki Warriors delivered like they were supposed to. Obviously, Mandy Rose and Sonya delivered in their match. Um, Charlotte and... Uh, Rhea was good. Well, other than, you know, we, we weren't happy with the Becky Lynn, Shane or Baszler match, but other than the finish, it was physical. But to, I think if you can go through a pay-per-view and if you say, Hey, all of your matches, except let's say the, your top dog and Becky Lynch delivered. I think from a WWE's perspective, that goes to the depth of the women's roster agreed. and how much talent you've got throughout the roster. Oh yeah. Agreed. So, all right. So, Next match. Honestly, this was a match that I thought was hilarious. Bray Wyatt and John Cena in the Funhouse match. So what was your take on this match? So I liked it. I thought it was definitely different. And I loved all the throwback references or Easter eggs that you'd like to call them. Uh, You know, (laughs) throughout Cena's career, I thought it was, was really done well. Uh, I think that this would only work for the situation that we are in though, because there was really not ever a real match. I mean, it was more of a, just a breakdown of Cena's career to me. So it was weird, but it was cool. I I thought that it worked for the time that we're in and for, for the situation that we're in, I really enjoyed it and it was definitely entertaining, but there was not a real match. So that that's the only drawback there. And to me, I'm okay with that because who needs another to me? Okay. This is my opinion. Who needs another Cena Bray Wyatt match? We've seen it over and over throughout the years. You know, Cena's another one of those guys that's in his forties. He was uh crammed down our throats for a decade. I mean, hats off to him. He's one of the hardest workers in the business, and he did carry the company for for near a decade on on his back. But, you know, I I'm over Cena. <laughs> if he left and never came back, it would not hurt my feelings. I mean, it's a good pop when he does make an appearance. He's good on the mic and things like that. But again, I found this very entertaining under normal circumstances. I don't think it would have worked. Right. I, I agree. Um, I'm glad Bray Wyatt won this match uh, as the fiend at the end for the listeners. Uh, just to recap, I mean, they went back and had um, very 
different segments. Kind of basically, it was a satire on John Cena, which I personally like because I am not really a John Cena fan at all. Me either. I just never related to his characters. Um, you know, I was not a big fan of hip hop and all that stuff. So, and then you always hear about you know he would bury people or whatever. And I don't know. You know, you see John Cena outside of the ring and all the work he does with charity and stuff. So he seems like to be a from that perspective a really uh, good guy, but then you hear a lot of other stories where there's a lot of dirt on John Cena. But um, I just I did not want Bray Wyatt to be buried in this match, and I felt like John Cena, to his credit, um, he did a good job playing along with the satire of John Cena, Agreed. and I thought it was great. Um, I thought he did a really good job making fun of himself when he came out as in the ruthless aggression and the the whole weird tights. Um, I thought when they went back to the eighties WWF wrestling and they were doing the, the screaming promos, like from Saturday night's main event, yes. Hulk Hogan, I thought, I thought Bray Wyatt was fantastic in that he was fantastic. Yep, genius. And then when John Cena came in, he, he was great too, but Bray Wyatt really stole the show in my opinion on that. So I thought that was great. Um, and I thought overall it really showed Bray Wyatt's great promo side. Um, I just thought he was fantastic in the match, and I'm glad he went over. And I agree. I, it wouldn't bother me if John Cena, if that was his kind of swan song. Because, honestly, he went out in a match where he was made fun of. I mean, that was the whole purpose of the funhouse, making fun of John Cena. Right. So, I mean, to me, that's a way maybe you send a guy out that way. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that John Cena's ego would allow him to go out that way. But um, but it wouldn't bother me if it did. You have to give Cena props for being a good sport over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. E- even before this, when he redid his character, uh, what was that, last WrestleMania or two WrestleManias ago, and he come out to the Doctor of Thugonomics again, and he was playing, yeah. on, playing on that. Really, that he was making fun of himself, and I think that was actually a true testament to Cena as a, as a man and as a, a wrestler. Uh, I mean, he was really making fun of himself to do that. And then, of course, during this whole thing uh, with Bray Wyatt, I mean, the whole thing was making fun of Cena. So and he was right right there with it. I hats off to Cena on that. And let me touch on that for a minute, because you you said the same thing that I I think neither one of us are Cena fans at all, really, and never have been a big Cena fan. He was another one of those that was crammed down your throat and you just got sick of it. I wanted him to turn heel. He never turned heel. He stuck to his guns. I think for his career, it would have been better if he did. But uh, there is a whole group of of WWE Universe out there that are now trying to act like Cena is a hypocrite and and things like that, saying that, you know, he gave up wrestling for movies and, and all that. But let's be real. Cena is what, 42, 41, 42? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He carried the WWE for 10 years. He's been in the WWE since I think he debuted in 03. He was in OVW for a couple of years before that. The guy's, you know, 20 years in the business, and he was the main guy and the hardest worker in the business, in a lot of people's opinion, for the 10 years because he never missed. He was always there. He even had some kind of a neck surgery done, and he was literally back in like three days, like not not competing, but he wouldn't stay away. He was going to the matches and like, you know, 
uh, doing what he could and, and wanting to be a part and showing his face and, and talking to the guys in the office and things like that. And it's like, man, you're crazy. You know, why are you doing that? And then he was back in the gym as soon as he could be and, and things like that. So Cena is not a hypocrite. I, I think that he is true to his word on being the hardest worker and things like that. Again, I'm not a fan. I don't like his character that well. I was sick of him. But I don't think it's fair to call a guy a hypocrite for kind of getting into Hollywood in the twilight of his career. I mean, really, Cena's run's over. And I don't think WWE's going to put a belt on him again But for a couple of reasons. A, they're not going to tarnish Ric Flair's legacy. And uh, B, I mean, how do you do that now that he's, you know, in his 40s and he's kind of out of the scene? So I, yeah. I think they're doing it right. And I think for Cena's character... You know, we let him be the guy that he is. Let, let's not try to tarnish his legacy by calling him hypocrite and stuff like that. Cause he didn't leave as early as the rock did. He was in it for a, a longer time and he carried the company for a longer time. So, you know, let, let's give him some credit. Well, and even on talking about wrestlers in movies, Hulk Hogan took that break in the, um, in like 89, 90 for the no holes barred match with Zeus. And of course brought Zeus in to be a, a character in WWF at the time. And then he took a break and was doing more movies and stuff. I mean, it's kind of hard to blame a guy to, I mean, Stone Cold took some time off and was in movies too. He was in the longest yard with um, Adam Sandler, that remake right. as long with, along with Goldberg and Kevin Nash. And it's kind of hard to blame <clears throat> these guys to take off some time to do the movies when they get paid a lot of money to do that. And it's not as physically taxing and, also, I don't have a problem with that. It's just I never liked John Cena's character. But I will say this for John Cena. Um, just I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it earlier, but just want to hit it again. That funhouse doesn't work if John Cena is not a good sport about it. And I think, honestly, I saw some of his movies, and you can tell where he's really improved as an actor because he did a good job in the funhouse making fun of himself. So he showed like more range. I mean, I think this could only help him with his movie career. So okay. I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought Bray Wyatt was fabulous. So I thought job well done. Uh, you know, some people, your traditional wrestling peers may not like it or whatever, but you got to look at it. It is what you got to look at it for what it was. It was intended to be something funny. It wasn't intended to be Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat or Shawn Michaels and, uh, you know, the undertaker out there. It was not intended to be a classic match. So right. I thought it was well done for its purpose. All right. And the final match of the evening, we got Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar in a battle for the WWF or WWE heavyweight championship. Drew McIntyre is finally getting his shot at the gold. He got two just big guys, physical specimens going in there. Uh, of course, heading into uh, the, the big bout after uh, Drew eliminated Brock Lesnar with the Claymore kick at Royal Rumble and taken Brock out a few times on Raw, as Brock had done that as well. But uh, talk about this match, because I, I thought I thought it was a pretty good match. I thought it was okay, and the only thing is, okay, so I'm a Drew, huge Drew McIntyre fan. I was a fan when he, mm -hmm. when he left WWE. I was a fan with them giving him a push in TNA. I thought he honed his skills in TNA and he grew up. Uh, I think a lot of his issues in WWE the first time around was immaturity and, uh, you know, things like that. Cause he was a young guy and 
uh, I think in TNA, he grew up, he learned the business a little bit better. They pushed him over there. He done well. He, and, and I enjoyed the time he was in TNA when he has, ever since he come back, I thought that he deserved a push and deserved gold at some point. He looks like a champion. He carries himself like a champion. He's big athletic. I mean, it, it's hard, hard to deny him. Brock Lesnar, everybody knows I'm a huge Brock Lesnar fan. I know that's not popular with a lot of the WWE universe, but Brock Lesnar's legit. I mean, it's hard, mm-hmm. to, hard to argue with somebody yeah. that is legit. So, I mean, he's the real deal, you know. So, I wanted this match to be a little bit more. I was actually kind of disappointed with the match because it didn't go very long. Uh, I, I It was quick, you know. I, I thought these two deserved better. I think that these two could carry a, a better match. And and I'm not asking for, as you referred to, a, a, a Chi-Town Rumble, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, 30-minute you know, Iron Man match or anything like that. But I think that these guys deserved a good anywhere from you know 15 to 20 minutes. And I think they could have made it work. But instead, it was more of a hard-hitting, you know, quicker match. And this was the match I was really looking forward to out of all of them. This was my main event that I was, I was excited for. It, it didn't quite deliver what I wanted. The result was exactly what I wanted because I wanted Drew to win, but I wanted more of a matchup and I, and I didn't really get that, unfortunately. Right. Well, I said it was a good match just because I thought they, they hit their points. But if you look at the booking of this match, it's the exact same match formula as Braun Strowman versus Goldberg. Right. I mean, it's the exact same match. Brock Lesnar comes in, you know, they battle a little bit, but he hits Drew McIntyre with four F5s. He kicks out. Heyman's like, oh, keep doing it. He can't keep kicking out. And then Drew all of a sudden gets his Claymore kicks in and and goes over. So it's the same format. Um, I mean, I liked it just because I, I was so happy for Drew McIntyre. I wish he would have had a, an arena full of fans right. for that pop for him. But I think you have a point well taken there that Brock Lesnar really can go in the ring. He He's not as limited as, as a Goldberg. And we saw that in Brock's matches with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles and even um, uh, Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. Yep. So I do think they could have maybe gone longer and had um, a better match. I think they were just running long on, or short on time uh, because – Honestly, if it, if it were me booking the match, I would have taken five or ten minutes off of that Randy Orton match versus Edge and even maybe some off the Funhouse and give it to the Drew McIntyre-Brock Lesnar match. Amen. I agree 100% with that that statement. But uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, Afterwards on Monday Night Raw, they had the big show come in, um, and I thought he was congratulating Drew McIntyre, but he ended up challenging him. And at first I was like um, – well, and I'll, honestly, I think Brock Lesnar came in and you know did his job and stuff. And I wonder, I guess he's just on a sabbatical now. But um, you know, they had the Big Show come in and was beating down Drew. And Drew was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to go into this match 20 minutes after I um, just beat Brock Lesnar." But he he did. And I was afraid that they were going to put the Big Show over Drew McIntyre, which I'm like was going to make no sense. But right. the reason why I thought that is because they've been promoting Big Show's new television show on Netflix. I'm like, gosh, they don't want to put Big Show over Drew McIntyre. That would just be a killer to Drew. No, and a guy uh, that they underutilized 
his whole career as it was. We've we've made many references in our uh, previous episodes about how they misused Big Show as it was, and how you bring him back in his forties and and let him get over. Surely to God not. Yeah. So I'm glad that Drew ended up rallying and winning. But it was interesting. They did an interview with uh, Drew McIntyre um, that was published on the internet talking about Brock Lesnar and how in his first run, Drew McIntyre was in this like uh, faction and Drew was um, booked to the whole faction was booked to lose to Drew uh, to Brock Lesnar. Brock was going to come and defeat the whole faction uh, in kind of a squash. And anyway, Brock Lesnar came up to Drew McIntyre afterwards and he's like, why are you being booked in something like this? You are better than this. You, you are better than this. And Brock Lesnar had a lot of respect for Drew McIntyre. And so Drew McIntyre had nothing but praise for Brock Lesnar about how the WrestleMania match went down because he was like, you know what? Brock was great to work with. Even though we didn't have fans uh, there, he was very professional, looked at it as another day at the office. And, um, you know, he really appreciated Brock putting him over. And so I thought that was a testament to Brock Lesnar because you hear that he can be difficult and, and all that. But I just thought that was good and that Brock was actually a fan of Drew and wanted to help put him over. Right. Agreed. I, I like hearing that. I, I'd not heard that. And that, that restores even more faith. But as yeah. I said, I'm a Brock Lesnar fan. I'm I'm a fan of both of these guys. And I think they both deserve better than, I mean, what did the match end up going? Was it even 10 minutes? It, it was about eight to 10. It was the exact same formula as um, Goldberg versus Braun Strowman. And these guys deserve better than that. That that's yeah. just my opinion. I I mean I I don't want to make it sound too bad. I wasn't totally disappointed, but I just wanted more more of a of a match. I think that they both deserved better. Brock deserved if he's going to do the job, he deserved to put up more of a fight and get a little more time. And Drew deserved that you know glory, being able to bask in it a little bit longer. So yeah, hopefully the rematch will be better. Yeah, I think I think they should have a rematch. I don't know. Um, I mean, I can't see Drew having a, a lengthy battle with the big show on stuff. We'll see what happens on Monday Monday Night Raw and down the, down the road, and it'll be interesting to see who he goes against. You know, do they try to do something with Lashley or um, – I, I don't know, because Drew's, Drew's good in the ring, and he can go, you know, a good 15 or 20 minutes. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. But um, anyway, that is the final match of WrestleMania. So what is your takeaway – uh, from day two as big points as we go forward. Day two was was a success. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that they like day one better than day two. I'm not sure about that. I, I uh, The fun house thing, I think I liked Undertaker's movie better, but the fun house thing was more fun. I mean, it was it, it was hilarious. I thought Cena was a good, uh, good sport, but I think the uh, Undertaker's uh, movie was more like a real like an actual match. So I kind of liked it better, but, uh, overall I thought that both days were pretty equal. I liked how WWE did it, you know, having two days of it and actually finally having a pay-per-view on a Saturday night. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I've always said, I think that they should, should do that, uh, more, uh, cause the night shifters of the world, uh, get kind of screwed out of the, you know, the Sunday night pay-per-views and, uh, but overall, I, I liked it. I thought it was very entertaining, and and there were some good matches, even without the crowd. And I think the matches would have been that much higher if you had the crowd there to to react. So, uh, 
kudos again to WWE for entertaining us in a, in a time of uncertainty and where we don't have sports and things like that. They're, they're continuing on. So I do appreciate it. I do too. I agree. You know, I, I, I'm glad that WWE uh, went, went on with WrestleMania and tried to make it work as, as best as possible because their, their attitude was, you know what, we're going to try to, uh, the show must go on. We're going to try to deliver for our fans. And, um, so I, I definitely applaud them. I think I like day two better. Uh, mainly, um, uh, I just thought for me, the big match was Otis getting Mandy. Oh, so yeah. that being on day two, that is why day two is better for me. But I thought the matches were just a little bit better. I really liked the Charlotte Flair win over Rhea Ripley. I thought that match was outstanding. Yes. Um, Edge and Randy Orton was good. Um, really all the matches I thought were good. Um, I, I agree. I wish Drew McIntyre would have been a little bit longer in this match with Brock Lesnar, but I'm glad that he got the belt. I'm glad that Strowman got the belt and I'm hoping that since those guys won their, their first heavyweight championships and they didn't get to experience the pop of the crowd, I'm hoping they give these guys a long run so that they at least get one pay-per-view with a live crowd where they come out and they win. And that way, because I, I just don't see, I could see Drew McIntyre being a longtime champion. I don't know about Strowman because I think eventually when R- Roman Reigns comes back, you know, the, there are going to be some people that are going to be like, hey, you know, he's going to get the title soon. But I, I just really don't want to see that. I think Braun needs a long run I agree uh, with this. So we'll see what happens. But I thought WrestleMania was a success. And I was looking at the crowd reaction or the, the, um, the lineup as well. The fact that they did it on two nights, I really liked because I wasn't sitting and watching wrestling for five or six hours. And especially if I was in the stands. Exactly. But, but when you return back to the real WrestleMania where they're holding it with a live audience, you're not going to be able to do that because it's going to be like, all right, are you going to charge somebody $250 to go to WrestleMania and they have to go on two nights. Right. But yet I look at the talent that was in this and every one of these wrestlers needed to be on the card. Agreed. But if you had one show with all this, it would it'd be like seven hours, and your crowd <laughs> would just be worn out. Right. So that that's my only thought is, I mean, I want the wrestlers to get as much pop as they can, but it's like, dang, you can't have a one-night show that's seven, eight hours no. like that because you can't start it at like five o'clock unless you do start at five, but even so, it's still midnight. Right, and you're going to have viewer, viewers tuning out. I mean, people got to go to bed and they're, you know, you're going to get tired of it. I mean, all in one cramming it all in one event would be ridiculous. Yeah. So, well, anyway, I appreciate you coming on the show and recapping WrestleMania. Um, You know, our, our thoughts were pretty consistent in how the match came out. And most importantly, we agree that the Otis and Mandy match, that was the top WrestleMania moment. I did enjoy it. I thought it was great. Yeah. The, the underdog got the girl. Yep. So the goal is that he can keep her. That's it. All right. So anyway, well, folks, I hope you all enjoyed our recap of WrestleMania 36. And I hope you enjoy the discussion. We appreciate all the support we've been getting. Um, Continue to follow us on the website at www.benandrodney.com. And, of course, you can subscribe to our show, Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney, by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or any podcast. Uh, outlet that provides 
uh, podcast. So once again, thanks for listening. I hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time.